Bible, you can turn to Psalm 143. We're getting close, this close. This close, and here we are today in Psalm uh, 143, and we're at, we're getting close to the end of this wonderful series in the Psalms, this wonderful time that we've spent here, and today we actually have a couple of lasts, like last things that happen in the Psalms as we come to them. We have the last Selah, which is just a word, but it's more than a word, and then we have also, this is the last complaint in the Psalms. So the rest are praise the Lord's. And this sermon series has actually been a Selah. Selah is mentioned in the Psalms about 70 or so times. And um, it is one of the initial things that struck me about the Psalms. It is one of the things that came in and really said, okay, this is what you need. This is why it's going to be four plus years in the psalm. And no one knows the exact meaning of the word Selah. There's been a ton of speculation, but also a ton of like good scholarly work done on to what the word means. And most um, scholars agree that the word is a musical notation signifying a pause in the music. A pause in the music. And if you dive a little bit deeper into the word, this pause means, not, it's not just a simple pause like, Take a minute, but it's take a minute and think. Think about what was just sung. Think about what was just played. Think about what you just heard or, or sung into your life. Pause and, and think about what you just prayed over before you move on. So, Selah. It's rest. It's just a breath. Like, take a breath. It's think. But not only think, but think and pray to meditate, to go over what you just heard. Go look look at what you just saw and think about it. Allow these words to sink in and give your life meaning and depth. And for the last four years, we have been in the Psalms and this has been a Selah in how to pray. We've taken more than a minute to look at this. We've taken a pause from the rushed and hurried life I don't know if you guys know this, but when, when you start a church, you're not supposed to have your second sermon series be the Psalms. And it's not supposed to take four and a half years. Actually, what they all teach is do 12-week sermon series. 12-week sermon series interspersed with a couple four-week sermon series. Make sure they're well-branded and all that kind of stuff. And so we even in church life, it's like rush out, rush out, do this thing, do it quickly, cover more of the scriptures. But we've needed this Selah in our life. We've needed to pause and rest. We've needed to think and learn how to pray. We've needed a moment outside of the chaos of what's supposed to be building up so that we can catch our spiritual breath and just be where we're at today. Selah as a word and an idea has so much meaning to me as I've preached through the Psalms. And to me, I think setting forth going forward, like we don't need to do anything in a hurry. We can just do stuff in God's timing. We are not in a rush. We've gone slow intentionally, and God's been working on us all the while. And as we've, uh, through this time, we've looked at a huge array of prayers, a lot of words that have been said. And Lord willing, our pause in the psalm has increased our life in prayer. That's been my hope. 
and our life in faith in general. Psalm 143 is also the very last complaint in the Psalms as you go in chronological order. And before I actually got to the Psalms and and started to study them, uh, how many of you guys were with me on this? I thought that the Psalms were mostly praises. Like, hallelujah, bless the Lord, praise the Lord. No, I'm the only one. All right. Josiah thought that too. And I thought they were mostly praising, and I was wrong. The laments and complaints far outnumber the praises. And as I've walked with folks and paid attention to my own life, I find this to be true, that complaints, arguments, like not understanding is far more true than just those moments that are shining and glorious. And yet, they're both side by side. We walk them both out together. And even when we're in moments of complaint, we still raise our voices to see Jesus for who he is. And whenever we feel that like we are whining, how many of you guys feel like you're whining a lot of times? I know I do, right? That's what social media is for, I'm pretty sure, is just whining. We can take that to Jesus. And also, as we've learned in the Psalms, we can take those whinings to others in our community and whine away because it appears that is the stuff that prayers are made of. And so with that, let us pray Psalm 143. All right, Um, Psalm 143, a Psalm of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Selah. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies and you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. In Jesus' name, amen. This prayer is Walter... Uh, uh, or William Bellinger and Walter Bergman suggest that this one, this is a prayer integrated or in, integrated with a tone that suggests that God has some obligation to answer this prayer. We come to God because He is the only one that can answer. And then not only do we come to Him, we lift up our voices and we expect Him to do what He is capable of doing. We know that at the end of the day, That God's movement is what we need in our own hearts, in our own lives, but also in this broken world that we see. 
He is the only one who can take away our sin from this world. And He is the only one who can take away all the evil that just plagues us. We know that Jesus is the only one holy enough to truly judge sin. We know that even if we are in Jesus, we've got sin that we would rather not have in our lives. We are not happy that it's there, but it is there nonetheless. And I love the way the Apostle Paul sums this up in Romans 7. He says, For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. This is why it says here that while uh, we were, or why, why it says in scriptures that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. While we were still dead in our sins, Christ made us alive in Him. That we might be able to live in Him and believe in Him. We knew, He knew we would not live perfect lives. And that Jesus instead would be our perfection. We can say it this way as we pray. Jesus, I know I'm not good enough to pray these miracles I ask of you. I know that I'm not living as sinless as I should. I know that you want better for me and I know that I don't de- that I don't desire I, I don't deserve what I ask of you, but I ask anyway and I expect you to ask. I choose you, Jesus, because you are better than my sins. My sins are cleared up in you, taken away by you. But if you look at me without you, well, I'm a wreck. And I need you, and I need your grace. I need your ways, and I need you to rescue me. But I come boldly to your throne and ask, because I know you're the only one who acts perfectly. Amen. For the last time in this in this sermon series, we see also enemies being pursuant of the, of the prayer. And I'm not 100% sure that I've covered enemies well, but I think we can do it quickly. Enemies are like Satan. They come to steal and to kill and destroy. The enemy could be sin of any sorts or any kinds. It could be personal sin or it could be systemic sin. Like, for example, racism is an enemy. Amen? Racism is an enemy. Not only on the systemic level, but on the individual level. But you know what else is? Sexism is an enemy. Thinking you are better than someone based on something, that's an enemy. They've come to steal and to kill and destroy real relationships that we can have with God's image bearers. Lies are enemies. Addictions are enemies. Doubt can be a tremendous enemy. Overconfidence in your own self can be an enemy. Wealth can be an enemy. Ease and comfort can be a huge enemy. And these enemies want to hunt us down and destroy us and the joy and peace and the love that we find in Jesus, the grace that we find in Him. They want to distract us and pull us away. They want to crush our souls and leave us in darkness. Our enemies want death over life, whereas Christ wants life for us. So much so that He gives His life for ours so that we might share in His life. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart is appalled. My breast, in my breast, my heart is stunned. These 
are real prayers. These are prayers from the edge of faith where you're not sure if you're going to continue believing or fall off. You're on the edge of your faith. You're sure that God can act, but the darkness is closing in fast. And in my mind, it takes a lot of courage to pray like this. To pray in these situations shows bravery in prayer. Desperation, but brave desperation. It shows how in prayer we get to cling to our faith. When the world around us is in disarray, we enter in the chaos through prayer and we cling to Jesus. These prayers are the prayers of deep trust and deep need. It's not surface level prayers that we enter into. These are not church prayers. Our time, as our time closes down in the Psalms, um, one thing over the last four years I've come to realize is that um, our prayers in churches are too nice. Our prayers when we're by ourselves are too nice. They're too clean or they're too for everybody's ears or, or just to make sure that we're not offending anybody or, or anything like that. And yet what we see over and over in the Psalms is a desperation a desperation, a real need. This psalm is from David. David was a wealthy man who had soldiers following him, had tons of acclaim, had tons of wealth is. Wealth, wealth is, that's not a word by the way. He had tons of wealth and yet he came and he needed all the time. As his soul longs or pants, as a deer pants for water, so his soul longs for God. And this deep calls unto deep. We need the deep work of Jesus in our lives. Amen. We are thirsty and we need the life-giving water that only Jesus can give us. We, if we don't have it, we will be overcome by our enemies and taken away. We need to remember and live in our state of need. It is in this state of need that comes our deep trust. A robust life of faith doesn't mean that we're going to be more perfect with time. It doesn't mean that all the sharp edges of our life are going to be polished off. It means that we can see our own sin. That we know that Jesus has taken care of it. And we live by faith. We know that Jesus is the solution and that we need Him. We need His death to mean something. We need His resurrection power to come into all the areas of our lives and all the area that has caused death in this world and breathe new life on them. When we come with this deep need and with deep trust, we are met in Christ with hope. It comes shining through the darkness, sometimes like a little flicker and other times like a floodlight. But hope comes as we put our trust in Jesus and with hope comes deliverance. We can be delivered from our own sins. We can be delivered from the world's sins. We can look different. We can act different. So we ask that Jesus does this work. That we can be over, that we can overcome not only our own racism, but our own addictions with Jesus' help. That we can overcome our own wealth and our own needs and anything that's trying to block us from Christ. And we can just walk with Him. We ask that Jesus does this work. It won't always be easy, 
But as we learn to keep our eyes on Jesus, we can overcome the powers of this world that want to crush us and leave us as a shell of what we could be. And we can live into the fullness of Christ. Deliverance from all these evils that want to leave us in darkness. This is what it leads to. Hope leads us to this. Jesus gives us hope and deliverance, but He also sustains us. He is not only... um, our deliverer, but he's also um, maintains us on the path that he has for us. He began this work in us. We didn't begin it. We are responding to his grace and his wealth of goodness, and he will sustain this work. We are becoming new creations in Christ, and he is working this out in our lives. And so I pray that we may let him do this work. And Jesus does this work in in history through His presence. We can see this in baby Jesus, but we can see this in Jesus in our real life. We can see this all over the Bible and even in our own lives. Psalm 107 prays this. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. I pray that we may see see God's faithful history as well. And when we see this in our own life, that Jesus has been there, that means that Jesus will be there, that He is here now, He is here today, and we get to remember the days of old, not as nostalgia, but to see Jesus at work and to remember that at all times, He has shown up. And it looks like He's already working. And as we consider Jesus' love, His steadfast love, His never giving up, His leaving the 99 and going after the one love, His hased that we've talked about over and over and over in the Psalms, we can't walk away. We don't want to. We want to walk with Jesus no matter how many enemies come to try and take us away. We desire to walk with Jesus because we know that Jesus is better and that we need the ways of Jesus. In verses 7-10 through in this psalm, it says, Answer me. Hide me not. Let me hear you. Make me know your ways. Deliver me. Teach me. All of this prayer is one, is a prayer that says, God, I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want your ways. I need you. You are my only fixer. You are the only one who can resolve my situation. I'm complaining, but I'm complaining to you because you're the only one who can do something about it. And all of this complaining, all of this prayer leads to a new life. It leads to a spirit-filled life. It leads to this spirit-led life where Jesus promised us that He would leave His Holy Spirit on earth to come and lead us, and He did that. It came in tongues of fire and it reminds us to keep our minds on Christ at all times. It comes with power to give us a new life and to live into that power. One of the things I love about Jesus is Jesus is making us brand new. Behold, the old has passed away and behold, the new has come. In our life with Christ, we get newness. We need to live out of this newness that He's given us. It's not easy, and we are learning along the way. It's not about perfection. It's about practice as we keep walking with Jesus in this new life that Jesus gives us. But it is His life that we are aiming to live after. 
and it is better than the ones that we have chosen for ourselves. And in this life, there will be trials, there will be pitfalls, there will be times when we go back to our own sin as a dog returns to its vomit. We still have sin, but we don't want it. But we also keep running back to Jesus. We keep running after Jesus. We keep trusting Jesus. Even when our trust is about to fail, we ask for a little more faith so that we can hold on. We keep asking Jesus to answer us. We keep asking Jesus not to hide from us and to deliver us. To to make me hear and in hearing know that God is near to our situation and near to our hearts. So Lord, let your good spirit lead me on level ground because I want a life of peace that follows you. Let my new life be led by your spirit. Please, Jesus, do this work. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. I am your servant. None of this work that is being done in our lives is even our work. It's his work. It is Jesus' work to make him shine and glow and look good because we live for him. We're his servants. He will use us. Yes, he will ask us to do work. Absolutely. And we get to do that work. But at the end of the day, the work is his because we are willing as his servants to represent Jesus and do his work. What's been done and what's been good in our lives, we didn't do it. It came as a gift from Christ. That's why we can say with the Apostle Paul, I will not boast in anything except the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in my life. Let people come and see the effects of grace on this servant in this time, in this life. It won't look perfect, but, but grace will cover over those imperfections and it will show off the Jesus wonder-working power in and through our lives as He's making us brand new. And even though this is the last Selah, let us always find our rest in Christ. Let us practice this rest. Let us not forget this rest. Let us keep coming back to this rest over and over and over. And even though this is the last complaint that we get to in the Psalms, let our prayers and our supplications, our complaints and whinings go before Jesus from now and for all times. Let our deep longings reveal the deep love and faith that we have in Christ and that He has for us. And let all of this, let all of the trials, all of the goodness, all of the grace, all of the hardship, all of the enemies trying to attack us, lead us into a new life with Christ. Because we want to be made brand new. And one day we'll see Him face to face and we'll be perfectly that. But until then, we ask that He comes. So Jesus, we thank You for this time. Lord, I thank You for the say laws. I thank You for the rest. I thank You for the time that You've given us to just pause, four years to pause and just learn how to pray. Lord, I just ask that You will come and do this work, that You will make us brand new, that You will crush our enemies, that You will defeat them so that we can live for You. And that in living for You, You will look glorious through us. In Jesus' name, amen.